Welcome to Stories After Midnight. Today we'll be reading The Only Time My Father Cried by Tobias Wade. It's part of his series of stories, a collection, if you will, called 54 Sleepless Nights. You can find a link to the book in the description of this video or episode if you would like to support the author and purchase yourself a copy. Let's get started. Other children lived in real houses with their own bed or even a room with a door on it. There were five of us crowded into the corner of the room, not including my mother and father who slept on mats in the kitchen. But I never once thought other children were better off and I was worse, because I lived where I was loved and that was all I ever needed. My father never admitted that we couldn't afford to eat in restaurants. He'd say he tried them before but none of them knew how to cook properly or had the secret spices like mother had. My father used to laugh at other families who went on trips together and said we were lucky that we weren't so miserable at home that we had to get away. And when the car broke down and he started getting up early to walk to work with his thermos and lunch pail, the only words I ever heard him say on the matter was how thankful he was we lived somewhere where it didn't rain very often. Everything always worked out for the best. That's what my father said. We would always have what we needed, and if we didn't have it, then that showed how fortunate we were for needing so little. I told this to one of my neighbors, Mr. Clemens, once when I was 12, and he laughed at me and called my father a liar. Mr. Clemens was a snotty, fat old man like bourgeois walrus, and he said my father just told us things to cover up how much of a failure his concession business was. He said my father lied about all kinds of things, then I didn't know it because I was only 12. I was furious with him at the time, but I found out my father really was a liar when I got sick. I knew it must have been bad, because father usually says chicken soup will cure everything, but that it wouldn't be good enough this time. We got a neighbor to drive us across town to a hospital instead, where a doctor poked and prodded at me for a while before going into the other room to talk to my father. I don't remember what any of the medical names were, the only thing that stood out to me was the huge price the doctor said it would all cost, more than he paid for his car. A few minutes later, my father came back in, looking pale and clammy like he was the one who was sick. Good news. The hospital worked, father told me, hurrying me out the door. There was a nurse who tried to stop us, but he just gripped my arm tighter and picked up the pace. You're all better now, and there's nothing more to worry about. I didn't feel better, though. My stomach kept clenching like it was tying itself into a pretzel, and I couldn't sleep at all that night. My parents must have thought I was asleep, though, because I heard them frantically whispering behind the kitchen counter. I snuck over to listen, but I was having trouble moving, and they weren't talking anymore by the time I got close. Instead, I heard soft, muffled crying. I thought one of my brothers or sisters must have gotten sick, too, but when I peeked around the corner, it was father with tears running down his face. He didn't see me because his back was to the counter, head in his hands, hair gripped in his fists like he wanted to rip it out. Mom had an arm around his shoulders and was trying to comfort him like she usually did with us. She started saying things like how she could quit her job to stay home with me or that we could all move in with her parents and live in their yard. And we wouldn't need Christmas presents or new clothes and we could get the cheaper canned food one thing after another. My mother prattling away without my father really hearing any of it. He just kept muttering that everything was going to be fine, but 12 was old enough to know he lied to me in the hospital, and that he was lying again now. 
I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew I wasn't alright, and that there wasn't anything he could do about it. I didn't blame him for that though. I blamed myself for being such a burden, and I knew it was my responsibility to make things right. I waited until they fell asleep before collecting my favorite clothes into my school backpack and sneaking out the door. I was going to run away, and I wasn't going to be their problem anymore. I didn't know where to go, so I knocked on Mr. Clemens' door to tell him he was right about my father lying. Bleary and grumbling in his fuzzy blue bathrobe, Mr. Clemens opened the door and stared at me in confusion. I had a whole speech planned out about how my father tried his best and that it didn't matter if he was a liar, but I was feeling so sick and exhausted from walking over here that I just collapsed and started crying on his doorstep. To his credit, Mr. Clemens took me in right away and laid me on a big soft bed. He never once said he told me so, even after I explained everything to him. He just listened very gravely, waggling his mustache as he chewed on his bottom lip. You can sleep easy now, Mr. Clemens told me when I finished. I want you to know I'm not like your father, and when I say I'm going to take care of you and make you better, I really mean it. I started to automatically defend my father again, but Mr. Clemens cut me off. It isn't just about you being sick, that man isn't even your real father. Everything he's ever told you is a lie, and just you watch, I'm going to prove it. Mr. Clemens called the hospital and got me the medicine I needed, and I was too afraid to ask him any questions. He gave me a place of my own to sleep and fed me well, and let me use his computer and play games that I never imagined existing before I came here. The only thing he wouldn't let me do was go outside or visit my family, even though I said I missed them. You want to know how much they really care about you? Mr. Clemens asked. You were right to think you were only a burden to them. Here, let me show you. Every day when he came home from work, Mr. Clemens would show me a video of my family he took from his phone. Sometimes it would be shot through their window, but mostly he captured shots of them spending time in the apartment courtyard, where my parents would eat dinner and watch my brothers and sisters playing. If they really were upset about having me gone, they didn't show any sign. My father especially, the man I thought was moved to tears about my sickness, was always laughing and carrying on like I'd never seen him before. Can't you see how relieved he is to be rid of you? Mr. Clemens made dozens of little remarks like that. It's because he knows that he was never your real father. A woman as beautiful as your mother, how could she ever love a penniless nobody like him? I didn't want to watch the videos. I never asked him to elaborate what he meant. I think Mr. Clemens was in love with my mother, but would never say so to me. Instead, it was always little negative jabs at my father, and how cruel he was for forgetting me, or how lazy he was for not providing better for us. I just let Mr. Clemens talk and say nothing. I didn't feel like it was my place to argue or defend my father anymore after what Mr. Clemens had done for me. And truth be told, the sight of my father being happy to have me gone crushed my soul a little more every day. It's only a pity your brothers and sisters aren't being so well cared for. Mr. Clemens mused one day after showing me the latest video. Can you imagine how happy they would be living here instead? Although, even this place isn't big enough. If I was the one taking care of them, I'd buy a bigger house and give each of them their own room, and your mother wouldn't have to work anymore. She'd be happy too, don't you think? Oh, but it can never happen. Not as long as that man who pretended to be your father is holding on to them like that. 
It had been a little more than a week when Mr. Clemens sat me down at his dining room table and slid a blue vial across to me. There wasn't any prescription label like the medicine he usually got for me, and when I reached for it, he put his hand over mine and stopped me. This medicine isn't for you. It's medicine for your father. My father isn't sick, I replied, not understanding. Don't be stupid, boy. Your family is sick and this is a cure. You remember where he hides the extra key, don't you? I nodded, terrified and confused. The big man grinned, releasing my hand to let me hold the blue vial. Even with it closed, I could smell a sickly sweet odor seeping out. You can put this in his thermos without waking him, can't you? And then come straight back here, never breathing a word about what you've done. Why would I do that? I asked, mesmerized by the strange blue liquid. As if in reply, I heard my father's laughter playing from the phone in Mr. Clement's pocket. So I can save them like I saved you. Mr. Clements gloated. Do it tonight. Don't think. Don't ask questions. I found the key hidden beneath the flower pot in front of the door. I didn't ask questions that I didn't want to know the answer to. I didn't know what would happen to my father after he drank the blue liquid. But I was very angry and didn't care no matter how sick he got. I had to keep telling myself how angry I was as I crept into the room because otherwise I knew I'd never have the strength to do what I came for. I had to keep hearing that laughter in my head, and know how happy he was to have me gone. When I unscrewed his metal thermos, packed and ready for an early morning by the door, I had to keep telling myself how happy I'd be when he was gone too, when I got to be with my family again. I kept repeating those things in my head like a mantra, but I wasn't enough to keep my hands from shaking as I opened the blue vial. Mr. Clemens would be good to us. Mr. Clemens would take care of us. Mr. Clemens would love my mother, and maybe one day she'd learn to love him back and hold him and comfort him the way she held my father when he cried. But for all my effort, I couldn't lie to myself enough to stop the shaking. I dropped the metal thermos as I was trying to put the vial in, and it banged and rattled on the ground. I froze in terror, unsure of whether to run or try again terrorized to see my family and wanting more than anything for them to catch me so I could just go home again. I stayed frozen as the lights came on, and the next thing I knew, my father was standing over me, glaring down at the spilled thermos on the ground, and then he was hugging me tightly to him, and so was my mother, and all my brothers and sisters jumping out of their mats in the corner to welcome me home as well. It turned out that Mr. Clements had told my father that he was paying to have me treated. My father hadn't been so happy this last week because he thought I'd ran away. He'd been happy because he thought I was getting better again. And all that stuff about him not being my real father, or him being lazy or a liar, that was just Mr. Clemens' jealousy talking. My father never lied to me when he said everything works out for the best, and as long as we had each other, that would always be the only thing we'd need. That's the end of the story. I really hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, I would be super appreciative if you'd give this video a like, maybe leave a comment, let me know your thoughts on the story. As well, if you do end up purchasing a copy of the book, please let me know as well, just because I like knowing that an author is being supported, and uh, well, I'd like to say thank you to you too. And also, thank you for listening, if I didn't say that already, <laughs> um, and a big shout out to my patrons for helping make this video possible. I think that's all of the thanks. I would like to let you know that we do have a Discord if you'd like to come join. It's pretty low-key, but we would love to have you there to say hello, stop in every once in a while, or you know, how, however frequently you want. But with that said, I really hope you enjoyed this video, 
our episode. And like every time, I hope to see you in the next one.